song being born again, because that's what we need. We need two birthdays. Because I mean, we'll get into turning Bibles while I'm blabbering on in Revelation chapter three. But I always remember that saying, it is so true. Born once, you die twice. Born twice, you die once. And that is the one thing we've seen over and over again on these churches when, when he makes a statement about who's, who's overcometh, who's overcome. An overcomer is somebody that died in Jesus, in Christ. That's how you overcome. You overcome everything this world throws at you. But either way, we're going to begin uh, uh, looking at the last of the seven churches. And um, in Revelation 3.14, it's the church of Laodicea. And as we've been going through these churches, it, it's, it's just so clear to see the picture um, I like to interpret this basically, it is to the churches, but I like to take this as individual spiritual growth in our lives. As we take every one of these churches, we can apply them individually to aspects of the Christian growth. And if you back up, we saw when we started with the church of Ephesus, what were they doing? You got saved, you got beginning the zeal of the Lord, we got zeal, we just love the things of the Lord, and then we kind of just get to working so much that we forget. Ephesus, they lost their first love. They forgot about Jesus. We just kind of, we do it. We're still doing everything. We, You know how many people come to church and they're not even thinking about the Lord, that they come to worship? They're coming to church for mostly mechanical reasons. Then we saw in the, the next church, in the, the church of Smyrna. And we see, and, and I can relate this almost to my own life. As you grow in Christ, if you guys remember back when you first got saved, the zeal, the desire you had, how you wanted to tell everybody. And then when you did, what did they do? Throw rocks at you. They insulted you. They cut you down. They didn't want you to be with you. Your family separated you. They didn't invite you over to the dinners. And next thing you know, you're being an outcast in your own family and friends. You suffer the persecution. You get persecuted for Christ as we see that. As we go down, and then we, what's the uh, next church? When we come down to, uh, what are the Pergamos? When Pergamos, we see the backside and start to set in. The easy thing. We, with the little thing, we start letting the doctrine come in. We start letting Balaam come in. We start letting the lust of the world and the things, and we've seen what we're missing out on. And so Jesus tells them again to repent. Then what happens? Then we come down to Thyatira. Well, that's a church where it just starts, man, the world is just, it's just interwoven. And now we don't even know doctrine anymore. We sort of forget the Lord whom redeemed us. And so they get caught up in a lot of these world things and judgments that will come along with it. But see, and we just see that as a spiritual growth. Then we see with Thyatira, God's judging them. What happened? They, they're letting the world come into them. Then finally we get to Sardis. And again, as we grow in our Christian life, he's telling us we're dead. Remember, he's telling this church, you're dead. You're dead. Remember, go back, do the first things. And that's something we would need to learn here. When Jesus keeps telling us to repent, 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 go back. Go back and do your first works. Remember when you were saved? Do you? Can any of us, everyone in this room, those of you in... Um, the cloud, the internet. Do you remember, actually remember the day? Not necessarily the actual day. I don't remember the time and the moment. Like your birth certificate, they write it down to the minute. But do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember when you stood at the cross? That is level. Do you remember when you stood there? Can you look back in your mind right now and remember the time that you came and accepted Christ? Because I'm here to tell you, if there's no memory, that's because there isn't one. And you never did. And you never accepted Christ. And you've been coming all this long, all these years. You're hearing it. You're immersed in it. You're floating on top of it. But it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, we're going to pick it up in Revelation now. We're going to see this last church. And this is what we're going to see. This church, does, Jesus is not in this church. Jesus isn't here. And that, unfortunately, as I look at most of these churches now, today, that is literally the case in point. Christ is nowhere near the church, and we later we'll see in this church, we're going to see he's outside. But turn in your Bible, if you will. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, we'll pick it up right there. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things say it to Amen. What did they say? Oh, you guys forgot already. Okay. These things say it to Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. Verse 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Let me pause right there. 
This is the God that made heaven and earth, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, looking at you and saying, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's a tough statement. But here's why. Because thou sayest. What are they doing? Talking to themselves. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. I have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind. And Wow. They go one thing. God says you got, you got a lot more problems than you realize. Verse 18. But you know what? You want to solve your problem? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, hear that word again. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, knock, knock, and open the door, I will come in there, the promise. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and may sit down with my father in his throne. Verse 22, and we're going to hear this for the last time. He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And we'll go over these verses in a moment, but let's look in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask, Father, that you would take your word and do what no man can do, Father, and bring life to it, Father. You said your words were life, and Father, you promised us a blessing, Father, for the hearer and the reader of this particular book, Father. And for this, we praise you and we thank you for another day on your earth. Even now, Lord, bless the other teachers as they proclaim your word, and we thank you in Jesus' name. As we come to this last church, as we're going to see, we're going to look at some points here of this church, but... Uh, this is a dead church. I mean, we, we knew the other churches were dead because they said they were. But this church, they're going on without Christ. This is like the modern churches of today. They don't need Jesus. They don't have room for Jesus. If Jesus came into that church, you think they'd let him in? But as we start going, we're going to look at a few points here and start just dissecting this verse apart. And as I've been going to see you, you know, there's, there's a lot of background history on this. And, and even still, the Lord... The way he picks these seven churches, because if, if you know the area and the time, we just know with Paul's writings, there were a lot more churches. And we're going to see this church and the church of Colossae were kind of joined together. We're going to look later and we'll see in some of the notes here that Paul had wrote them. And they, they would exchange letters. Colossae would lay it see there, change letters. Then he's also addressed some of the pastors, which some of those we see may cause some of the backslide. But if you look at the slide, that's kind of all that's left of like every other dead thing of relic in time. At one point, it was beautiful. But today, that's all that's left of it. And we see there's some of the temples, uh, amphitheaters, just like all the other cities. This city was, was very wealthy. Some of the background of it is that earthquake that really kept wiping the cities out. Most people got to borrow money from the government. They didn't borrow a dime. They did it themselves. They, they, they were rich. That's why when the Lord says you're rich, because they thought they really were. They were rich in this world. But see, look at the test of time. Where did their money go? Where did everything they build? Where did everything you build? Some of us are old, and we've had a whole life behind us. We've got a few decades. What, what did you build? Not your home or your empire or your business. What did you build for Christ? What did you do? How many souls are going to be up there when you arrive and say, Hey, John, I remember. Hey, uh, remember me? Remember me? You told me about Jesus. Remember? See, but what happens? What do we do? What do we do? Here's, here's how we start. Under the angel of the church are the Laodiceans. And you know, there's a little statement there is, as you read just before, um, right after we start with number one, we pick up his identity. He's going to tell us who he is. I mean, again, Jesus is always revealing himself to a church. But in this problem, this is a small little thing. And again, just you got to be careful, careful in your reading. But as we read the intros, like we go back to uh, verse three, verse one, under the angel of the church, in Sardis, under the angel of the church in Ephesus. It's churches in the city, but not this church. And this, this kind of sets the backdrop of everything. Why these people were so self-sufficiently leaning on themselves. Look at that again in verse 14. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. It's not the church in. It's a, see, these people, 
Remember? Jesus, that's why later we're going to see he's outside the church. They don't need Jesus. What do they need him for? We got the church. We got everything. We got programs. We got gimmicks. We got prizes. But what does Jesus tell them? Under the church of the Laodiceans, write. These things saith the amen. Get a little outline of where Laodicea it is. Slide off. This is the water supply when they're talking about it. See all that salt and minerals? Later, we're going to see why he's going to want to spit it out of his mouth. But I wanted to get right here. Names of Jesus. You know, the first thing we start out with is the truth. Because if you don't know the truth, how are you going to know anything? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. I told you the first verse I remember. But Jesus said, I am the truth. Numerous scriptures tells us he's the God of truth. We, we know that many times. But, you know, in Baptist circles, we like saying, Amen. Got ever sing that song? Amen. Now, fortunately, a lot of you, you say amen, it's like you're putting salt in your tongue. It's like you can't spit the word out your mouth. Why? Why? We should say amen. Why? God calls himself amen. Amen just means the truth. If we look, here's the word. When you look it up, the word means it's fixed, it's unchangeable, it's the truth. It's not going to change. It's always the same. Jesus today, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. This word doesn't change. It just doesn't change. But I want to show you, again, we're, we're focusing on the Old Testament. And if you can't say amen, well, let me show you somebody who can. Turn, turn in your Bible to Jeremiah. You look at there, see Jeremiah chapter 11. And I just want to show you, it's specifically just the word amen. Now, if we know Jeremiah, we call him the weeping prophet. Man, Jeremiah went from bad to worse to terrible to awful. He was lowered in prison. I mean, he was threatened with death more times than we can count. But turn to Jeremiah um, chapter 11. I think I'll just read this whole chapter real fast. I'm going to pick it up at verse 1, but we're going to get down to uh, verse 5. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant, and speak unto the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Wow, isn't that what he's, God's doing to the churches? Verse 3, Jeremiah eleven three, 3. And say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Wow, isn't that what Jesus has been saying all the time? Thus saith the... He that had the key to David, thus saith the amen. Now he goes on, Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. Wow, isn't that what Jesus is telling these churches? The curses that are coming upon them because they're not obeying, they're not doing, they're not repenting. Verse 4, Which I commanded you, your fathers, in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. You know, we're always God always wants you to go back and remember. God always wants us as Christians to go back to the cross. Remember the cross. Remember. And from the iron furnace, remember the life that was hard when it was, life was tough, saying, Obey my voice and do them according to all that which I commanded. So shall it be, my people, and I will be your God. You know, God and Jesus, they're saying the same thing. But verse 5, That I may perform the oath which I sworn unto you. Do you think God keeps his promises? God ever broke a promise to you? But here we go. To give unto the land flowing with milk and honey, as as to this day. Listen to this. Then answered I. Who's that? This is Jeremiah. Then answered I, and I said, so be it, O Lord. That word right there, so be it, amen. That's exactly what he's saying. Jeremiah's looking at him saying, amen, Lord. But we can't. Pastor says something good, you can't say amen. Say amen. See, amen's a good word. Back to Revelation. Jesus called himself the amen. I mean, amen. He is the truth. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is. But you know what? We see he's reliable. Again, he gives himself another name. He calls himself the faithful. Faithful and true witness. Well, if you look back at Revelation verse 1, where is it? When Jesus calls himself uh, the faithful witness, that, that word means martyr. Your witness, you die for Christ, you're a witness. You're a martyr. What are we supposed to do? Witness for Christ, are we not? The Bible says, I am dead in Christ. We're dead. We're supposed to look that way. We are martyrs for Christ in a sense. But we're, we've always pictured martyring, you know, and chop your head off or cut you, you know, some of the dark ages. But, see, we're supposed to live for Christ. He's our witness. He's a true witness. He says he was. Turn, turn back to John. 
John chapter 3, I want to look up this verse 2 for you. Well, Jesus just lets us know and reminds us again and again and again. But see, what Jesus is doing in a lot of these churches, he's quoting back these phrases that they would remember. Because remember, they have the Gospels at this point. John is in circulation. Few of the letters of Paul are, are around. So they would actually know this. Turn in John chapter 3. We know that verse. Remember about being born again? Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. But before he goes there, when he's talking to Nicodemus in verse 11, John 3, 11, he says, Verily, verily. You know what that means? Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Verily, verily. Truly, truly. Amen. I say unto you, we speak what we do know and testify what we have seen. And ye receive not our witness. You know, people still don't. They just won't take the truth if you even put it out in front of them. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how you believe me if I tell you heavenly things? See, Jesus is telling us, he's going to tell us the truth. And then as he goes on later down this passage, what is he telling Nicodemus? We must be born again. Marvel now they said unto thee. Ye must be born again. You must be. You must be. Look at verse 32, same chapter, John. And he that hath seen and heard that he testifieth, and no man receives his testimony. What's again he doing? He's given us the truth. He's reliable. Can anybody here in your Christian life look back and think one time that God's word didn't come true to you? Ever? When he answered your prayers, did he? Well, you got to pray first to get an answer. But when he answers you, do it. has God been truthful? God always has. I've... I've been saved a long time now, and I've had dark times, and he would get those times, remember the footprints in the sand where we're walking and we're all worried about ourselves, and Lord, where are you at? How come you didn't help me? But we never realized till time, and we turned around, and we looked where we were here. We had all this going on in our life, and we thought, well, sure, we'd better off dying that day. And then all of a sudden, six, eight months down later, we look back. We don't even realize what God did to us, how faithful he was, how faithful he was. And he has his plan. He has his priorities. Back to Revelation. See, and he says, These things, verse 14, say it the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Can you guys explain that verse to me? I know, you're the teacher. I'm supposed to tell you. Well, you know, Jehovah Witnesses, Colossians 1, but Colossians 1.18, I remember it, or it's 1.15. If you ever had a tangle with this, Jehovah Witnesses, they love that verse. He's the creation of the firstborn. And most people don't understand what it means. He's... He's not created being. It's the creation. He's the very first. He's had the preeminence. He was the front of the line is what that means. He was the very first that God redeemed from the dead, saved from the dead. That's what makes him the first. Not a firstborn of created being where they try to say he's created like Michael. No, he's not. Jesus Christ is true. He is love. He is the beginning of the creation. But let's go to verse 15. And this is... Um, where we start seeing his insights. And again, as we look at the revelation, we see this phrase again and again. I know thy works. Are you working? Are you working? Or are, you, are you on sabbatical still? You know, Jesus, remember said, lift up your eyes. And John, look, look at the harvest. Look, look around you. Where's the laborers? All that's out there. The tares growing with the wheat, but no one's picking it. No one's working. Nobody wants to work for Christ. And there, there was a song that says, everybody wants to sit at my table, but nobody wants to work in my fields. See, we all want to sit around. We all want to sit around you. We all want fellowship. We, but you know, the Christian life is just this. You got to roll up your sleeves sometime. Sometimes you got to walk. Sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do. What are you doing? What are you doing for the Lord? Does he know your works? See, he said that to every single church all seven of them get that i know your works i know what you're doing i know what you're doing but in this place in this scenario oh jesus knows all right you know the bible says god knoweth those that are his he knows who are his he knows who are not and we're going to see that in a minute but he says in verse 15 i know i know i know god always knows that thou art neither cold nor hot. Ooh, what a testimony. I mean, it's like you're not either ugly or handsome. I mean, you're not one or the other. But if you're not one or the other, what are you? See, many times you, 
most people try to read this as lukewarm Christians. They accepted Christ, but they're backslidden. No, I'm here to tell you, these ain't Christians at all. These are the tears that are inside the church when Jesus said, let them go together because they look identical. You look at people and you look at people. How do you tell them? How do you tell this person's a Christian, that person's not? It ain't up to me to decide. But I listen to you. See, I can't say you're a Christian, but when you start telling me and I listen to you, well, you know, I don't think Jesus really is God. <laughs> you ain't saved. Straight up and simple. I don't care what you tell me after that. Once you tell me Jesus isn't God, you're not saved because what are you trusting in? You're not trusting in Jesus. You're trusting in your own thought of what he might be. Your own work. Your own thing. See, it's trusting Jesus or nothing. And that's why he goes on and he tells us, see, they're indifferent. They're lukewarm. They, they talk the talk. And we see that. Remember God said in Isaiah, these people, they love to hear me. They draw with me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In Ezekiel, he sent Ezekiel in there and he said, look at these people. They, they, they come to him, well, they love to hear you. And Ezekiel's preaching some hard messages. And they said, they, they love to have a soul. They love to hear you preach, but then they just walk away. They're never in possession. They never possessed the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn back to Matthew. We probably all know this one, Matthew 7. But this is sad. And I'm trying to tell you, because we have to know. The Bible does tell you, know ye not your own selves. If you're in Christ, know ye not. Matthew chapter 7. We all know this as the Sermon of the Mount. Basically part of it. And he's... Coming down, I mean, he's just given a whole list of things. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. But we'll just pick it up in, um, pick it up in verse 21. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not every man that saith unto me. Wow, what did, he, what did people say to the Lord? But not every man, one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Okay, Bible trivia quiz. What is the will of God? Whoever can answer, I will give them this nice 2023 calendar. Simple question. What is the will of God? Hmm? That he will enter the kingdom of heaven. Eh, close, but it's the will of God. The will of God he wants us to enter. Okay, you give up. This is the will of God that you believe on me. Was that it? Did you believe on me? Repent, believe, and glorify him. Hmm? Repent, believe, and glorify him. Well, Jesus, remember when uh, the guy came, what did I do to do the works of God? What is the works of God? Believe on him who we have sent. Believe. That's the work of God. To actually, physically, with your mind, with your mouth, confess the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it takes. That's just some of the outwards. I mean, it's all internal. I mean, I can tell you all the scriptures, but see, what's going to happen is there's so many people, and I'd be surprised that there's people seeing us even now, that within earshot of me, that they're going to say, Lord, Lord, look at all the things I did. I came to church. I never missed church. I never, I gave, I did the A, B, C, D list. But let's go on. Verse 24, back in Matthew 7. Verse 22, many shall come unto me, have we not prophesied in thy name? These people know the word of God. They're actually talking about the word of God. And in thy name are cast out devils. Well, that's pretty powerful. When was the last time you cast one out? Where are they getting this power from? And in thy name, oh, in thy name. They're even doing it in Jesus' name. Have done many wonderful works. They've done many. Man. I wish I could describe that list to me. Except for this part is the part I don't want. Verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, you are lukewarm and I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Oh, wrong, wrong verse. Verse 23. I never knew you. Depart from me. Depart from me. Depart from me. That's what Jesus means when he says he's going to spit them out of the mouth. And forgive me for the vulgarity, but that's exactly what it is. Every one of us, I mean, how many times you pick up a great big loogie, you know, all that noise you make, and then uh, you want that out of your body, don't you? See, that's what's going to happen. People are trusting that they come to church. People are trusting that they read their Bible. 
devil knows the Bible, quotes it better than most Christians. Verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, oh, that's where it starts. He that have an ear, let him hear. And, well, there's the catch. You know that? Small little word. Verse 24. And do with them. See, remember that rich one? He came to Jesus. Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, do this, do this. Well, I've, I've got all that down packed, Lord. Well, what else can I do? Well, just give away all your money. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. See, he didn't do it. He had profession, but he didn't possess him. I will liken them unto a wise man who built his house upon his rock. And then he tells us about the story of, of the flood and how bad it is. Back to Revelation. See, lukewarm Christians, don't you know they're lukewarm? They think they're glowing hot, serving the Lord, walking upright, and God is praising them, and they're the best thing that's ever happened. Not really realizing that Verse 16, so then, because thou art lukewarm. I love to make this statement. For every action, there is a reaction. You do this, uh, that's going to happen. You want hot water? Well, you got to light up the fire and heat it up. Action, reaction. But here's what they're doing in verse 16. See, they're insensitive. They don't even know. Because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. Verse 17, this is where we all go wrong. Because thou sayest, I'll ask you, Christian, what are you saying? What are you trusting? What's your belief? If I was to ask you, if you were to die right now, what's your answer? I've asked people, do you know for sure if you die, you're going to go to heaven? And the answers you get to that question run the gamut. But the one answer you usually never, ever hear is the blood of Jesus Christ. I just never hear that hardly. I'll hear, they'll run off a whole list of things. I go to church. I do, it's all the list of I do and I don't. There's not one I do that you're going to do and one I don't that you didn't do that will get you into heaven. Not a single one. There's only one, and that's a sin of unbelief. And that is not believing that God have raised him from the dead. And on the third day, our Lord, my thoughts are running wild right now. Back to the Bible. Verse 17, because thou sayest. See, this is something they're doing. They didn't come to the cross. They didn't humble themselves. They just stood there. Ooh, I don't got no need. Because thou sayest, I'm rich. I'm rich. Yes. <laughs> How many people buy lotto tickets trying to get rich? Uh, How many people try to we save our money, you know, and look, investment will be part of your thing, and you're going to make millions in the stock market. Why? Because we want to be rich. And I mean, I don't mean to say this in a boastful way, but I was rich. Money is nothing. It really isn't. It really, really isn't. I mean, I'm sure it's easy to say when you got, you know, seven figures in your bank account. What do you do when you only got three figures in your bank account? Are you still rich? Are you depending on how many zeros are in your column? What you can do or not do and all your mind thinking? And I've done, I've said, I've, I've had the privilege of spending them. The Lord has blessed my cup so overflowing. I just, I am blessed beyond measures. But I never stood this. I never once stood up there and said, oh, gee, thank you, God. Not even for a second, and I'm grateful for that. But see, because thou sayest, how do you describe yourself? What words would you describe to yourself? Because you're rich. You know, people, you know, the, oh, the name it and claim it. I don't hear them so much now, but I don't listen to those circles. But the old, kind of, God wants you to be rich. Really? I thought we were supposed to be like Christ, who had no nothing. Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests. I ain't even got a place to sleep. Jesus didn't even have a house. He went into the house. He borrowed everyone's houses, got free meals everywhere he went. People were, but he didn't know. He wasn't rich in this world's good, but what they are. But they're rich. And see, and, he, and, and we even go even step further, these people. Verse 17, we see they're rich. Increase with goods. They got a lot. I mean, compared to most Christians in our life, even the poorest Christians on welfare living in Section 8, and they're saved, say, compared to most of the Christians in the rest of the world, go off into the third world nations or over into Asia and see the life. I mean, we have cars and TV and internet, and these are the poorest of the poor. Not the destitute poor. But see, if you trust in these things, 
What happens? Look what else they say. Verse 17, and have need of nothing. You know what that also means? What they need Jesus in their life for. Why is God around? What, 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 what are they doing? They have need of nothing. Do you know people like that? You can't tell them. You can't tell them. I mean, the sin, like maybe they're drunk and they're, you just see the sin is literally destroying their life. You've watched them over the course of years. You see sin take a toll on them. Whether a person, or like those grumpy people. We have people in that kind of family and we comment about them. I mean, they're just mad. And when you look at pictures of them over time, they just always look older than everyone else and tired and harder. They just don't have no joy. And you look at them, yeah, and they tell you all this stuff, they're fine. But you look at them, you know they're not. They have need of nothing. And you know something? This is where unbelievers are. And knowest not. You know, they don't know. What is it they don't know? What is, we got five, six, five points here. What is it that unbelievers don't know? One, they're dead. They're dead in their sin and trespasses. But let's look at the reality. Look at verse point A. They're wretched. Remember Paul said, Oh, wretched man that I am. Man, there's nothing good about me. Who's going to deliver me from the body of death? Jesus. Well, they didn't have that, did they? Because they don't need anything. What else are they? Remember Jesus came back and said, told them that they're miserable here? Now, they said they got needed nothing, and Jesus gives them a little, well, let me give you a update on your situation. Thou knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable. Wow. Have any of you ever in this room been miserable in the Christian life? I bet you have. You should know I'm not. Christian life's full of joy. Oh, yeah, you've been miserable. I know every one of you had. Because every time you ever got away from the Lord and you didn't read your Bible and things just, all of a sudden you just kind of keep getting a little further away and the weeks turn into months and months turn into weeks and you come to church, you don't even know what the sermon's about, you didn't hear a single thing, it bounces off your head, you didn't hear nothing. You're miserable. You leave, you go to sleep at night, you dread waking up in the morning. Huh? You know, I love waking up in the morning. To me, it's the best day because God gave me another day. He gave me one more. He gave me one more day. And when my eyes open, I say, thank you, Lord. Do you? Now, I'm going to judge your spiritual life by how you do that, but these people are saying they got nothing. I don't need nothing. I don't even need Lord at all. But see, we're miserable. And the most miserable people I've met have been Christians that are backsliding. They get so far from God, they have no joy. They have no peace. They just lost sight of everything. But you know what? Remember they're saying they're rich? Bible tells them they're poor. Point C, they're poor. You know, that poor is destitute. I mean, this word means literally, it's, it's the beggar on a box on the sidewalk. I mean, he has nothing. Nothing. Even his clothes are no good. That poor. Beyond poor. I mean, nothing. 100%. That's how, these people, that's how Jesus sees them. They have nothing. But yet, what are they telling you? Oh, we don't, we don't need the Lord around us. You're miserable. You're poor. Remember Jesus said in, back in um, the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What are they going to do? See God. Blessed are the poor. But you know what? He goes on a little more just to, just to really make it rub it in there. And you're blind. Oh, I know that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. I once was blind, but now I see. How about this one? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. They can't see Jesus. They can't see him at all. Why? You're blind. Revelation tells us that a few, well, look at John 9. I'll go back there again. Jesus gave this little parable here. And again, it, it really for me, is I'm, uh, you start reading these gospels and seeing some of what Jesus says, and then these are the last words of Jesus talking to us. And once again, Jesus is... Um, Pointing this out to us. John chapter 9. We see the story when they ask if they're blind. Was it 939? I'm sorry. Just really located my 939. All right, let's back up. And Jesus heard they cast him out. Well, let's back. It's, he's healing the blind man. And he's given the testimony. Verse 32. 
John chapter 9. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. At least they're realizing that. They answered and said unto him, Thou was altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Huh? Who's blind with sin? The religious leaders? These are the people they could see, and yet they can't see Jesus. But they threw him out. Verse 35, Jesus heard of him, and he said, and he said unto him in verse 35, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh to me. Guess what? He's hearing and he's seeing. If you understand the symbolic of this. Now Jesus goes explains to him, verse 39, and said, For judgment I came in this world, that they which see not might see. And they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with them heard these words and said unto them, Are we blind also? What about yourself? See, Jesus, but Jesus answered them, If ye were blind, ye would have no sin. Wow, what's he say over here about um, Colossians? And they're blind? Church of Laodicea, they're blind? That means they have their sin, huh? Their sin isn't covered. See, back to Revelation. He's telling this church, they're wretched, they're miserable, they're poor, they're blind, and now they're naked. Wow. What a church, huh? Elmira Baptist Church. Come visit us. We're wretched, poor, miserable. Who would want to join that church? But why is everyone joining this Laodicea church? Because like all these other places, come down here, name and claim it. If you come, God will bless you. God will make sure. God will pay all your bills. God will put money in your checking account. God will give you a car. God will give you a trip. God will give you a vacation. God will give you. The problem is, what do they give to God? They didn't give them the time of day. See, these people, they say, verse 17, I'm rich and increased with goods. I have nothing. I don't need anything. I got it all. I got it covered. I don't need nothing. I've got church. I got Jesus. I got everything. Hey. <laughs> and yet, remember, many are going to come to me in the Lord, Lord. In a small little diagram. Remember when Isaiah saw the Lord? No cherubims singing. Everybody they go by, Lord, Lord, holy, holy, holy. Lord, it's always in threes. It's always in threes. But every time I read this one, many will come to me in the day saying, Lord, Lord. Oh, they believe in God and they believe in the Father. They just don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Because they never got saved. They never had that spirit in them. But let's go on. Jesus tells us they're naked. They're miserable. They're poor. They got absolutely every single thing they've ever wanted. <laughs> What's wrong? What's wrong? Why are they miserable? Why are they poor? Let's turn back to Deuteronomy. Again, I'd show you the Old Testament. See, there's nothing new. There is nothing new under the sun, as uh, Solomon once told us, but turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this is uh, literally the children of Israel about to come into the land. They've been wandering around the wilderness of sin for 40 years, kind of like a lot of us. We just wander around in circles. But in Revelation chapter 8, you, you turn to verse 11, but I'm going to read it all the way down. This is just a very good chapter. This is explained, and it's literally, if you take what I'm saying here, and transcribe it, it's verb, almost word for word what Jesus is saying to this church. Verse 8, chapter 8, I mean, verse 1. All the commandments which I have commanded thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. God's promising them the future. He's telling them what's coming. Verse 2, and thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Now, why did God do this? Why do we go through our Christian life and we wander and we go, mm, why? First, in the middle of verse, to humble thee and to prove thee. You know, God wants to know what you're doing and to know what was in thine heart. I thought God searches and tried to reveal the matter of his heart. Doesn't the Bible say he knows my thought afar off? He tried to search our range. What about you? See, what's in your heart? But God wants to know whether thou wouldest keep this commandments or not. Are you lukewarm or are you hot? Hmm. Verse 3. And he humbled thee. See, sometimes you wonder why things go on in your life. God has his reasons. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna. Wow. 
There's that man again. Didn't Jesus promise that to a church? Which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that thou might make know the man, excuse me, that, that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone only. Remember that verse? You've all heard that. Well, here it is. But by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. What's Jesus saying to the churches? Jesus came to give a revelation. He's talking to us. He's telling us. He's reminding us. And he went down each one of these churches to remind them that they don't live by bread alone. They do live by the word of God. Look at verse 4. Thy raiment waxed old. This church is laid seated. Don't they need some clothes? Huh? Neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. You know these verses? You know, a lot of times what happens in the Christian life, I don't know if you guys realize that, how long some of you have been saved a while, but all of a sudden, you, what you realize, a lot of things that God doesn't let in your life, yeah. the trials that don't come in your life, how that the bill always gets paid and you seem like I make $1,000, but I owe two. How? You scratch your head. Yes. Your car is a piece of junk club bucket, and I've done it. They just keep running. They don't break. They just keep going. But see, we get so busy with life, we forget that God is doing this for us. Right. But not these Laodiceans. They ain't got a clue. They can't remember nothing. But what? But there's always a catch to that. Verse 5. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord God chasteneth thee. What's Jesus saying? He's, every one of these churches, he's giving a rebuke of what he's going to do, how he's going to punish them. Why? Because he loves them. Verse 6, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. Are you? Fear him. Do you fear God? Now, every one of us, our fear of God is thinking, you know, we're always that big old guy with a lightning bolt. That's not my version of fear. The best version of fear is letting your mother down. You let your father down. They ask you to do something, you don't do it. Do you not fear the response that they're going to get, the shame that you cause? See, to me, that's a better fear than the fear of someone's going to whip you and punish you. It's the fear that you failed them. Verse 7, again, Deuteronomy chapter 8. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. Hey, who wants to go to heaven? Raise your hand. Isn't that what Jesus, where I am, there shall you be also? What's the last thing? We're going to sit on the throne? Finish the verse. A land of brooks of water. Wow, I read about a lot of water in heaven. And fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of oil and honey. A lot of good things to eat. A land where thou shalt eat bread without sacredness. Watch this. Verse 9, And thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills are made big brass. You know, God will provide your income. God is going to provide everything you need. Verse 10, When thou hast eaten and art full, Hold it, you know what I read here? When thou hast eaten. This is already done. This happened. You have already been blessed. And thou shalt, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he have given thee. But hold it, what does it say in the... Laodicea, we don't need anything. We don't need it all. We got it all. Well, here's God talking to them. Verse 11. Beware. Well, it's right up there with behold. I'll say it a little louder. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. How many of you guys forgot God this week? I bet you every one of us in this room forgot God this week. You all got off sudden. Oh, well, well. In not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I commanded thee. Well, God put three things here to obey. All sounds like commandments. Thou shalt. His judgments. <laughs> Look and learn. Where's the other one? And his judgment and his statutes. The word of God. The very word of God. Ordinances. But see, these people, they forget. Now watch. Verse 12, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. Well, that's funny. They were rich and increased in goods and they have needed nothing. Just like Laodicea. These are the children of Israel. 
right before they'd go in the promised land. Verse 13, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, when your business is going good, you own a couple of cars, I mean, life is going in, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, you do got four or five figures in the bank account, your retirement, you know, you're looking good, your IRAs, everything in this world is looking good. you got a good life, no complaints. Uh, thy gold is multiplied, verse 13, and all that thou hast is multiplied. I mean, your children... Well, I don't even have time to go to the Psalms when he says about how you know the wicked. Nothing goes wrong in their life. They prosper. Their children. They, just everything about them. They got a good life until the psalmist said, I went to the house of the Lord and I saw their end. I think it's Psalm 77. My brain served me right. But let's go on. Back to Deuteronomy. Verse 14. Then thine heart be lifted up and forgot the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage. You forgot Jesus Christ that saved you when he redeemed him, and he said, call upon me, and you did, and you forgot him. Well, you wonder why you're getting judged. Let's go on. Verse 15, who led thee? See, God's trying to remind us, repent, come back, repent, return. Who led thee, verse 15, that great and terrible wilderness. You know, when life was hard, when sin was coming, you didn't know a way out, when just the light was squeezing you. You remember when God answered your prayer and brought you out? Huh? Verse 15, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents. Boy, the devil's always around, ain't he? Devil just fiery serpents. I mean, he's just burning you. And scorpions. I mean, you're getting attacked left and right and drought. Well, God said he's going to put a famine on the word of God. Things just a little dry, and there was no water. Who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint? Remember, God's reminding you of a miracle. God can give you. God can do whatever you want, when you want, how he wants. Verse 16, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, just like Jesus promised to the churches, which thy fathers knew not. You know, people still don't understand today. They still don't understand the word of God. That he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end. You know what? When your life is hard, God wants you to do better at the latter end. But watch this. Here's Laodicea right here. Verse 17. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand have gotten me this wealth. <laughs> Back to Revelation. Because thou sayest, verse 17, 3, 7, I am rich and increased with goods. I don't need anything. <laughs> That's what the children of Israel said. What did it get them? Uh, we know the judgments that came upon Israel. Well, we got to speed it up. As usual, I'll never make it to the end. Let's just pick it up with the invitation. I'm just going to jump straight over. Verse 40, this invitation. We all know this verse so much. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door. Behold, I stand at the door. Behold. Why is Jesus standing? <laughs> Why? I stand at the door. What do I thought I thought Jesus was the door, Pastor? When when in one time in scripture, I don't ever recall us ever being called the door. Ever. Not one time. We're to go through doors and a lot of symbolics. But I never man's called a lot of things from everything from trees to the seas and all the other terms, but never a door. I stand at the door. You know, Jesus is patient. How long would you stand? You ever go to someone's house, ring the doorbell? What do you, what's the most you do? Once? Maybe twice? How long would you actually stand there and wait? Well, I think the light's on. I think someone's home. No, even if you know they're home, you know they're home. How long are you going to stand there and knock? How long before you finally... <laughs> I guess they don't want to see me, huh? They're not going to let me in. But Jesus said, Behold! Behold, again, this, like, remember, behold a man. Behold means stop what you're doing and pay attention because something's important about to happen. Behold, I stand at the door. Who's doing the knocking? But are you listening? Can you hear? If any man hear, well, who's that? I thought, he's, I thought this was a church of all believers. I thought it was a church full of believers and everyone's in here saved because they're all let the reading of the Lord say so. Then why in the world is Jesus outside this church's door? All the other ones, he's in them. He's going to do things with them. But this church, he's not there. And, and again, symbolically, this, would this be the church of the last days? Probably. But as sure as a church of today, I will come. You know, he's knocking and he's pleading. He's pleading. He just keeps on knocking. Whom the Lord loveth. Whom the Lord loveth. Whom the Lord loveth. 
he receiveth. But you know, Jesus does tell us, remember back in John, he says, I am the door. If anyone come in and out, I'm the door. Later on, we're going to see it the very next chapter. It's funny coincidence. Talking about doors. Look at Revelation 4.1. We'll get there next week. After this, I looked and behold, a door. A door. There's only one way to heaven, people. Only one. And that's to open that door. When Jesus said, now you, didn't, you don't hear knocking necessarily, but know what you do? You hear pastors stand up there and said, whosoever will let him come. You hear pastors say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, thou and thy whole family. You hear them say, come unto me, all ye labor and heavy laden, you're tired of work. If you're saying there, I don't need anything because I'm good enough. I got what I need. Well, that's why verse 13, because thou sayest, I'm rich. You describe your own self. But where's your salvation in there? Because when God comes in and looks at you, he says you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That does not sound like a good place to be. Not physically and definitely not spiritually. See, Jesus is going to stand at that door and knock, but you know what? He only knocks for so long. Behold, thou hear his voice. Harden not your heart, as in the proclamation, what we saw with these people in Deuteronomy, how they hardened their heart with all the blessings God gave them. They just hardened their heart and forgot all about God, and they just want to move on. They don't open their heart. They don't listen to what God has to say. And that's what I'm trying to want to tell you. Those of you at home, have you ever? Does Jesus say you're wretched, poor, naked, and blind? Or is he saying, well done now, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. What are you going to hear? Are you going to be talking, Lord, Lord, let me in? But Jesus knocked at that door and you never opened it because you didn't let him in your heart. See, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. And you need to know, know ye not your own selves if you're in Christ Jesus. Let's close. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise you and we thank you for your goodness, Father. Thank you so much for your word. And, Father, I pray that every person in the sound of my voice would know thee, Father, that you'd let none perish, Lord, let none fall to the wayside. But, Father, that they would see their need to trust you, honor you, love you, and to serve you, Father. For this we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, next week, got one more to go. We're